0: And the little epistle of Jude. The little epistle of Jude. It's only the little, one little chapter in it of twenty five verses. You just hear the rain bouncing off the roof and at least we're dry. Is everybody warm enough? Or warm enough? Okay, that's good. Jude, beginning to read at verse 17, please. But beloved, remember you the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. The capital S there, Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And though some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hitting even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the pre- before presence, pardon me, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, unto the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty. Dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Pardon my reading with these glasses. Sometimes it's very focal. I can't see. That blurs a little somewhere. Let us pray. Take your word, Father, and wing it home. Take your word, Father. And we pray, Father, that your word would, Lord, speak to every heart. And to every life, to every situation, to every person. Take your own word, Lord. It's not mine, it's your word. And do with it what you will. Bless those who are away tonight. Encourage them and strengthen them. And Lord, we give thanks for those who are here. Who have braved the weather to come and Lord, are sitting in your presence. Would you meet them at the point of their need, whatever that may be, we pray. Bless those who are watching live or will watch later and give them their portion also. Heal the sick. Save the soul. Restore the backslider. And fill men and women with your spirit thank you for your blood lord jesus we pray O oh god that you would just now help us tonight and help this man to bring what you would have him to say and not what he would have to say and your word would be heard and thine alone glorify the lord jesus christ tonight in his name we ask it for his glory amen I'm just simply entitled this message Faultless. Faultless. Uh, this word faultless in verse twenty four now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. Notice, is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It's been really in my mind for, for almost a week. A week and Tuesday. I've been seeking the Lord as usual, and sometimes the, the, the word that we seek for to bring on whether Sunday morning or Sunday evening, and it doesn't come sometimes, you want to, we just don't want to think of something or look up something and just take an idea, we want it to be from the Lord, we want fresh manna for his people, and every meeting I would seek the Lord for something for you. And nothing was coming. In fact, this week has been a trying week, spiritually speaking for myself, personally speaking. And I just couldn't seem to meet the Lord anywhere on these things. And so Tuesday night, I, uh, it must have been about 10:30 or 11 at night. I can't remember. And I put on a YouTube video and it was from 1990. I think I had watched two. I think it was the one from '97, and I seen Allison and I. She was a wee stripling of a thing, of 19 years of age, and I seen myself with my skinhead. But there was part of it that Pastor McConnell. I just turned around, and they were singing the a hymn. Can't even remember what it was, really, and he just happened to mention the word "faultless." And he mentioned this line, and it is, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. And the word faultless came when he said it and hit me like a thunderbolt. It was like someone throwing a, a javelin through me. And it was like, <laughs> speaking that word. And I took this scripture, and I've taken this line. And I sat, I didn't write on it right away. I waited and prayed about it and thought about it until Friday. And I sat all day on Friday, from morning right through the evening, studying and reading and worshipping and writing. And hence, this is where this message came. And really what he had said was something along the lines of, I can believe the Lord for so many things, but how he will present me faultless is something I just don't really understand. How is it that the Lord who is holy and how is it that the Lord who is just in all of his ways takes a man like me, someone like you, and presents you faultless? We think of all our sin that we only know about to think of even as a Christian our failures that we only know about, let alone the ones we do not know about, that he would be able to present a man like me a man and woman like you, faultless. It's, I caught it when he said it, and it just has lived with me from Tuesday evening. In fact, most nights I've been unable to sleep. Jude says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, not that as Christians we don't fall, and that we're so perfect that, you know, People like to think that if you're a Christian, well, then you're so, perf- you're so perfect, you-, you can't do wrong. You've- if you do wrong, then you're not a Christian. And there's all of this stuff that people think about. But really, all we are is men and women who have been lifted from the muck and the mire of this life of sin, and we've been saved by his matchless grace and kept by his power through faith unto salvation and we are placed as sons and daughters in his kingdom. And the thing is here, where unto him that is able to keep you from falling. It's not that we don't personally fall, but really that we do fall. We do falter. We do fail. But it means to keep us from falling altogether. They keep us from falling altogether. In other words, there are times when we mess up, but in his grace and mercy at the repentance of our sin and by the cleansing power of the blood of Christ, he keeps us from falling altogether. And hence we can walk on with him and go on with him. Please don't get me wrong. You know I do not advocate walking in an open course of sin For therein is a problem that the man and the woman who thinks they can habitually walk in an open course of sin. And we must wonder, where are they with God? And do they know him at all if there's no conviction of heart to live the life that God would have them to live? Faultless. And to present you, you can put your name there tonight. I'll put mine there. Ken Davidson to present you. Can he keeps you from falling altogether, and he's able to present you, Ken Davidson, before his presence and glory, faultless, faultless. Thought that I would look up just the English in this, and it's pretty, pretty near a lot of the words, uh, the adjectives for faultless. Uh, in the English dictionary, in fact it's the new English dictionary and, and I picked out these adjectives which are, which would tell us on other words, synonyms for faultless. And it's pretty close to the original Greek text, I looked it up as well. And it really means uh, blameless. Glenn, Pastor Glenn around the table this morning uh, brought us to the book of Colossians and he, he showed us how Paul spoke of uh, that we were unblameable. In other words, we were faultless. And this wonderful mystery of how Christ presents a, a person who has been deep dyed in sin, a person who has a background and a, and a life and a past behind them which has been washed in the blood, but yet feeling the Lord as well in many ways. And yet He presents me faultless. And he looks at me as though I'm faultless. He sees me faultless. When he looks at me, he looks at you. You are saved. He sees us through the medium. The Father sees us through the medium of his Son. He sees us through the medium of the cross. And he sees us through the medium of the blood that he shed his finished work he sees us faultless. What a Savior. What a Lord, and what a God. What a Redeemer. It means blameless, guiltless, immaculate. How does that work? I've prayed about it. I've asked the Lord about it. I've saw his face about it and think, how does that work? Immaculate. He sees you blameless, guiltless, immaculate because when he sees you he doesn't really see you. He sees his son. He sees Christ. He is immaculate. He is blameless. And he alone is guiltless. It means innocent, not guilty. That you and I are not guilty of that which would be charged against us in our sin. The Father looks at us and it's a a judicial uh, form where we would be brought, as it were, to the bar. That is the bar in court, not the pub. And there, judicially, he looks at me and he looks at you. And he declares us righteous because we're in Christ. He declares that we have no sin because of the blood. He declares us innocent, innocent, A guilty, vile, depraved, hell-deserving sinner, like this man. Not guilty. Not guilty. It means he sees you spotless. I don't know if you've ever thought of this before when we're told that Christ was the spotless Lamb of God or, or whether you're, you're spotless under the blood of Christ. I don't know if you've thought of it like this before, but if, if I got a brilliant white sheet and say I hung it up here, and this big, brilliant white sheet, pure brilliance of white, and how it would it would look beautiful and perfect. And but saying I put it up, and there's a little, just one, just one small iota of a little dot, a black dot here. Everyone's attention everyone's focus would miss all of the brilliance and all of the whiteness and be fixed and focused and zoomed in upon the little black iota dot. Just one small little dot. Now it's marred. It's marred by one small little speck of dirt. How perfect Christ is. How perfect he is. As the impeccable son of God. How perfect he is. As the lamb without spot or blemish. How absolutely perfect he is. And beautiful. That when we see him with the eyes of the spirit. The regenerate heart. Quickened by the Holy Ghost. To behold the Lamb of God. We see the beauty of him. The perfection of him. The loveliness of him. We can see the glories of Him in heaven on the throne. We can see and talk about the glories of Him and all of His splendor and His wonder and His majesty and the miracles and the power. But when I see the Lamb, I see the perfection of Him and the glories of Him on the cross. There He glorifies the Father as He does the Father's will. It means to be stainless. Stainless, unblemished, and perfect. Now to think that the Father, in His presence we are approaching Him, and Christ presents us to His glory, and there the Father sees us with all of these adjectives that we have mentioned uh, for the word faultless, and, and the Father looks at us and sees us like this, then my mind boggles. My, uh, my understanding is surpassed. Me, Lord. Someone like me. And someone once said, when I look at myself, I, I can't see how I can ever be saved. But then when I look at Christ, I see how I cannot be saved. We can look at ourselves and we can navel gaze with our uh, 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 at ourselves all we wish to look inward to see, and you'll find all of the you'll find all of the wrong things and the impure things and the bad things when we search ourselves and it's good to search to rid them, yes, by all means. But I want you to know when you repent of them and you put them under the blood, the Father sees you faultless. Faultless. The faultless in Jude, this little one chapter of verse 24, are those who Jude deems to be called the beloved. Now, there's two ways to pronounce this word. Either beloved, as in be, loved, or beloved. Beloved. And here Jude says those who are deemed are called beloved or beloved. He mentions it three times. If you look with me briefly in verse 3. He says, Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you, notice, that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. These ones who are presented faultless are the beloved of the Father. And they are called the saints of God. Not canonized saints of Rome. Or anywhere else. The saints of God are the men and the women whom the Father has set his love on And has regenerated by his spirit. And brought to the cross. Drawn with irresistible grace and love. And behold the spotless Lamb of God. Bearing away their sin. And they have repented of their sin. And they have cried for mercy. They have been washed by faith in the blood that Christ has shed. And they are faultless. They are called the beloved. They are the saints of the most high God. Here initially he speaks to Israelites here. He's the brother of a church. Of, of James. Of, a half brother believed of the Lord Jesus. We spoke about it this morning. And here he speaks to, to the, the early church. Speaks to those who are of the dispar- the diaspora of Israel. And those who have come into the faith. And been saved and blood washed. And born again of the spirit. And he says you are faultless before him when you're in Christ. And the temple couldn't do it, and the works couldn't do it, and the animal's blood, it couldn't do it, none of it could do it. But when you come to Christ, when you're believing in Christ alone, it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son, that cleanses us from all our sins. He says, you're beloved of God. The little book of James, this little letter was written and it's said to be called a letter to rouse the church. Listen church. He says. You're a winning church. Persecution. You're a winning church. Trouble has come. You're going wayward. Maybe you're starting to doubt. Because you realize you're not perfect in self. And this letter was written to rouse the church. To get them to stand up as it were. On their two feet. To rear up on their hind legs. Listen, Church, he's writing. Earnestly contend for the faith. Jude if there was a letter to be written today, to the universal blood-washed Church in, the, in Great Britain and Ireland today, and the United States and Canada today, this would be the one. They need to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And all the things that are happening in the church, all the things that are being allowed and going on, and the weakness, the weakness of many Christian men and women. Here he's saying, beloved in verse 1. And then if we go, and let your eye run down to verse 17, our beginning of our reading. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's calling them to remember the prophetic word. Remember the prophetic word. First of all, beloved, earnestly contend for the faith. Now beloved, remember the prophetic word. Remember what the apostles told us. Remember what was written beforehand. The apostles, of course, borrowed as well from the prophets of the Old Testament unto Israel. And he says, take these words and take them and remember what they said. These times will come. And these times will come upon those who love Christ. And then he says you'll find that they'll be like verse 18, how they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves sensual having not the spirit. Now he says, remember God's word has warned us. Remember God's word told us this. Do you know what it means? If you know God's word, it means it hasn't taken you by surprise. The Lord Said it doesn't take me by surprise. You see, prophecy is history foretold. And history is prophecy fulfilled. Go say it again. Prophecy is history foretold. For when it comes to pass, it becomes history. So prophecy is history foretold. And history is prophecy that's been fulfilled. And he's saying here, remember church. Remember, beloved. You're faultless before your father. You're washed in the blood. You're sealed with the Holy Ghost of promise. He says, remember, the church, rise up. Rise up. This is the idea of what Jude is trying to do with the church. He's saying, you need to get your act together, Church if you remember that God knows all about it, that God said it before it happens, he knows what comes to pass before it came to pass, he says, and this will increase and encourage us. See, all the stuff that's going on, all the stuff you're hearing, all the things that are happening in the United States, and Canada, in America, with the, the WEF and the, all of those groups. This hasn't taken God by surprise. And for weeks and years, we've been preaching these things. It's coming. God has said it, it is coming to pass. And now, when it's coming to pass, people are shocked and amazed, astounded, afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. You know why? Because this tells me it's going to come to pass. And it tells me when these things begin to come to pass, then lift up your head and look up. Why? For your redemption drawn nigh. Christ is coming. And he says, beloved, remember these things. Keep them in your mind. If you turn on the news, if you were of a certain disposition, it sure would frighten you, wouldn't it? The church has been found wanting in many areas these last lot of years. Found wanting. And then, thirdly, it is in verse 20. But, ye beloved, building up yourselves upon your, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Notice, keeping yourselves in the love of God. This isn't a matter of, well, I'm going to keep myself that God loves me. If I do more, God will love me. That's not what it means. It means keeping remembrance, your Father loves you. He chose you from before the beginning of this very earth. You were his from eternity given to his son. The son came in time and purpose and he died for you. He says, and you remember that? Chosen of God and in his purpose. So if we were to remind ourselves how much he loves us, then this should encourage us in the faith. Jude is not on his own here by any means by calling us beloved. For example, and collectively speaking, Paul calls his beloved four times in the book of Romans, five times in the two books of Corinthians, twice in the book of Philippians, once in Colossians, five times in the two books of Thessalonians, one time in 1 Timothy, one time in the book of Hebrews, James calls us beloved 3 times in his epistle, Peter calls us beloved 6 times in 1st and 2nd Peter, and John calls us beloved 8 times, 8 times between his little epistles of 1st and 3rd John. The word beloved is a word Agapitas. Agapitas. You know what it means? Well beloved. It means a favourite. A favourite. Or one favoured and dear to God. I'm one of God's favourites. God has no favourites. Oh now hold on. Now hold on a minute in his election he does and he says Jacob have I loved but Esau have I hated think about it he says Jacob have I loved God says this but Esau have I hated you're one of God's favourites And hence he presents you faultless. It's all his doing. It's all his work. Our salvation from eternity through time to eternity is all of God. There's nothing in ourselves. It's all of him. And so we will be presented faultless for the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. We will be presented blameless and guiltless, immaculate, innocent, sinless, spotless, stainless, unblemished and perfect because of the doing and the dying of Christ. I can't emphasize it enough. Christ hadn't have died, we'd have been all in our sin. If he hadn't have shed his blood, we'd still be in our sin. If he hadn't arose a third day, no justification from our sin. It's all centered and fixed on him. That's why I love him. Do you love him? Amen. Amen this church loves him. The oversight of this church loves Jesus. And the requirement for even me to think of a man to come the oversight, you know what it is? One, he must be saved, absolutely. But he must love him. He must love the Savior. I love what Charles Wesley wrote. In that old hymn, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. I love the verse, he says, Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless may we be. Let us see thy whole salvation perfectly restored or secured by thee. Change from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place. Till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love and grace. Brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely wonderful. He's a wonderful Savior. Would you say amen? What a Savior. What a Christ. My heart rejoices in him. My heart skips a beat, my spirit rejoices as we look this morning in Mary's Magnificat. My soul doth the Lord. That's better, isn't it? We wee bit echoey. Is it meant to be like that? Samuel. Samuel. Speak, Lord, thy servant here. Isn't he wonderful, though? Isn't he amazing? Right, give me that one back again. I don't like this one. Can <laughs> you put battery in it? Thank you for me. It, here you are. She's <laughs> not working. Oh, doesn't <laughs> <laughs> This Christ we serve... There's none like him. This Christ we love, he's absolutely and totally amazing. How does he take one like me and present me faultless? Faultless. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 5 and verse 27. Listen, that he might present it that is the church present it to himself notice a glorious church you think sometimes when we hear this church is going to go limping in oh we've just made it battle weary and some of us may be battle weary but he's going to bring us in in full victory and triumph that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot nor wrinkle nor any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Notice, holy and without blemish. I want you to look forward with me for a moment. If you will, the point being expressed by Jude is this. That Christ went to Calvary for the unlovely and the unlovable. For the unregenerate and the ungrateful. That Christ went to Calvary to do the Father's will. To glorify his Father's name and to manifest his Father's love. For example, first of all, in 1 John 3 and 5, you can either turn and read it with me or you can just listen to it and it will be on the screen, I think. John writes, And ye know that he, the Lord Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. But from taking away our sins, how does that glorify God? I'll tell you how. Because God is holy God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And how can he be justified by bringing someone like me and you, you and I, into his presence, into his glory, and still be just? For sin must be paid for. So Christ comes to glorify his Father in the taking away of our sin. Takes away our sin and his father's glorified and justified. And hence we're presented faultless. I mentioned this uh, two or three weeks ago, and I want to remind you of it again. When we are saved, we are free from the penalty of sin. Would you say penalty? I am free from the penalty of sin. sin. See, you're saved. You're the beloved. You're free from the penalty of sin. You will never stand in judgment for your sin. And Christ was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Secondly, in 1 John chapter 3 and in verse 8, it says, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. This one who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, to ruin lives, to capture people, to take their souls and drag them to a devil's hell. He who comes to steal away the joy of hearts and to ruin families and marriages and and homes. The one who comes to to offer and to, to tempt people into addiction. And holds them and binds them in, in such practice of alcohol and drugs and gambling and sex and so on. Jesus came. Son of God was manifested. No, notice the word manifest. He came. A man. What for? To destroy. Notice the word. It wasn't that he came uh, to sort of hinder the works of the devil. He didn't come to hamper the works of the devil. He didn't come to try and do away a little with the works of the devil. Jesus came and died on the cross to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy him. And hence... So when we're saved, we're free from the penalty of sin. When we're saved and in Christ, we are free from the power of sin. Would you say power? Power. Would you say I'm free from the power of sin? Because you see you're under the blood. You're washed in the blood. He's bringing us from glory unto glory. You're free from the power of sin. Thirdly, In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9, he writes, In this was manifested, notice the word manifested these three times. In this was manifested the love of God. The love of God toward us. What this tells me, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. Who knows the Lord loves them? Really knows he loves them. Well, why do we worry? Why do you get concerned? And how do you know he loves you?
1: The Bible tells me so. Yes. Jesus loves me. Yes. Yes. Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me
0: so. And some people say they know Jesus loves them, but they don't really. They don't fully believe it. As faith that takes us and places us in Christ. It is imputed faith from the Father, from the Holy Ghost. And imputed faith places us in Christ. He tells us that he loves us. We'll sing it again. Let's sing it with all our heart.
1: Jesus loves me. Yes, Bless him. For the, the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They Loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Love tells me so.
0: Ah, that's just a little course we teach children in Sunday school or something. No. That's the word of God in song to our hearts. Doesn't matter whether you're either 9 or ninety. Yes, Jesus loves you. First John four nine, and this was manifested the love of God toward us. Notice that's put C E T in here. Every blood washed believer toward us and wherever else the other believers are. I'm speaking a bit parochial here, uh, but toward us. He manifests his love. Think about it. He manifested it. How do you know? How do you know when someone loves you? By showing it, rather than just saying it. Manifesting it, rather than just telling you about it. The father could have said, yeah, I love you. I love you. You know, I love you and done nothing about it. But he manifested his love. He he showed and he forth told it. And then he steps into the scene of time in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus. And he says, see, see, can you see I love you? It was all the way to pay our debt. that he would love me that he would love me notice because that God sent his only begotten son into the world notice that we might live through him and we had the we're free from the penalty of sin we're free from the power of sin and here that we might live through him we are we will be when Christ returns free from the presence Of sin. We say presence because we'll be changed, our bodies will be changed. There'll be no presence of the old fleshy, lusty man and woman. When you say, I will be free from the presence of sin, I will be free. When he comes again and he will present us faultless. How does that work? I'm watching Pastor McConnell, and he he mentioned a wee line about he thought it it, uh, hard to to grasp. And he just mentioned it in passing. It was like a spear went through me. I thought about it Tuesday night and Wednesday. We're in here at the meeting, the prayer meeting, with a a great time of prayer Wednesday night, and the men's fellowship on Thursday. And I was thinking about it Thursday night, and I just wasn't able to sleep most of the week. That he would love me. That he would die for me. That he would come and shed his precious blood for me. But that he would love me enough to present me faultless. Faultless. Jude writes this in what is known as the perfect tense. The perfect tense. For example, whether we're called beloved or saints, it means we are permanent objects of the Father's love. Do you know why I'm a permanent object of the Father's love and you're a permanent if you're saved, you're a permanent object of the Father's love. Do you know why? Because the Father loved him and I'm in him. And so are you. And permanently he loves me. I'm an object of his love. It's not a whimsical love. Yeah, I'll just love you all. Personally and permanently, precisely, his love is to me. And his love is to you too. We are in Christ, and hence we are looked upon by God the Father with all the love which the Father loves His Son. Have may seen and sound presumptuous or even arrogant. But look, when I look at myself, again I can't see how I can be saved. When I look at myself, I can't see how this man could be saved. But when I look at Christ, I see how can I not be saved? because of him it's done by him wrought by him
1: all through him
0: all because he is spotless and impeccable stay with me for a few moments and we will round this up I wrote too much material as usual and I don't usually use my material as usual. So I'm trying to pick bits and pieces out of it as I go along here and stay with me for a few moments. The Lord Jesus is going to present us faultless. Present us faultless and he's going to show us as a glorious church or ecclesia called out people not having spot nor wrinkle or even as Glenn read this morning. You thought Glenn knew me notes, we weren't <laughs> We all, all, honestly, because Glenn was around the table thinking that we're gonna be unblameable around the table and I sort of going, Red, right, stop there, would you? Because I'm gonna preach on this tonight, you know. <laughs> but he didn't know what I had written. We don't we you know, we don't compare notes. But the Lord knew. And the word for uh, faultless here is the word amumos. And it means almost exactly the same as we have already read out to you. It isn't really any different in in the English language. The idea of this is, is, for example, in Hebrews 9, if you'll turn briefly and quickly, please. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. Notice what it says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Hebrews 9 and 12. They're looking at, the, 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 they're looking at this mongrelized worship that's become, it's, uh, this Judaized worship of, of bulls and goats and calves. And it's way far from the Hebraic worship of, of the tabernacle in the wilderness. It's way, way far from it. And all of it, uh, before even right to now, was the blood was to appease, appease God. But when Christ comes, he's the son of God. And he says, I am well pleased in him, not appeased. He's well pleased in Christ. And it says here, neither by the blood of bulls of goats, pardon me, and calves, but by his own blood. Notice his you know, we, we, we will just glibly uh read that. Look at that, it's by his own blood. Stop for a minute, let's pause. Put the brakes on for a few seconds here. This is his blood. This came from his veins, like yours flows through your veins. This is personal to him. If you split yourself open, or someone digs you in the nose, you have a bloody nose, it's all of a sudden, oh my blood, look, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding. It's personal. It hits you like a freight train. Oh, look, I've cut myself. The blood's pouring out of me. Oh, look at the blood all over the place. It's personal. It's his own blood. The holy one. The harmless one. The undefined one. And he says, goats? A temple sacrifice? No. If you want to look at blood for the atonement and cleansing of sin... It was his own blood. His blood. But by his own blood he entered in. Once into the holy place. Having obtained. Eternal. Would you say eternal? What's the next word after that? Eternal redemption. It doesn't say you're saved. When you're saved and you've got. A sort of a redemption unless you mess up, does it? It doesn't say you're keeping yourself, does it? It doesn't say when you're saved. Now, if you say wrong, you'll be lost in the car park. Away, way some people teach about it. That you have to be so holy and perfected in thyself. But he hath obtained. Not you or me. He hath obtained eternal redemption for us. He has obtained it. You know what that tells me? I'm saved for all eternity. <laughs> saved and safe. Sealed and secure. I better make myself a bit more reverent here for a moment. I'm getting all carried away. I'm excited. I have to behave myself. Listen, we're around, we're around the Son of God here. We're around the blood of Christ. We're talking about eternal redemption in Him. We're talking about the impeccable, beautiful, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. We're talking about the one who came down from glory and died for us. I don't know how we can't get excited about him. For if the blood of boons and of goats and the ashes of the heifers sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh notice this how much more shall the blood of Christ notice how much more through the shall through the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit when Christ died on the cross the eternal spirit the holy ghost the eternal spirit of God was witness and as though it was when it was shared in calvary was just as though it was shared right before the throne of grace and the throne of judgment and the father's glory and the father looks at it and he sees the sacrifice of the spotless lamb of god his only begotten son and listen through the eternal spirit eternally redeemed because i'm in the eternal spirit how can a man like me be presented faultless why you know who offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God he's looking at the temple he's looking at ritual in churches people uh, trusting in their works and trying to be a, a good enough person and all of this and, and, and to offer this to God. And the Father, for all that the Spirit is showing us tonight and as much as is lying in me to try and explain it tonight, and I fall far short of what God could show us, I rely on Him opening your eyes and opening our hearts but to bring us, to draw us right to Calvary, to show us Him. And even with all of that, Can you imagine, can you imagine for a moment what it must be for a man and a woman who lived on godly and in their sin? Can you imagine what they think they're going to offer for their salvation? Well, I was a good Roman Catholic. Well, I was a good Protestant. Well, you know, I was a good person. And the father will look and say, were you? There's none good. No, not one. There's none good, he says. No, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. Paul writes to the Romans. There's three Roman nuns for you. None. None and none. I think there's another one. Start talking like that to get into a bad habit. <laughs> father looks at this sacrifice and it's accepted and he accepts his son and some person like me outside of Christ will walk up and say really it wasn't that bad was it you're a wretch you're vile in the sight of God you're unholy in the sight of God. You're wicked. You're evil and you're carnal in the sight of God. The Father looks and says, it's not about what you can do. It's about what he's done. I love him. And you've rejected him. Praise God, we're found in the beloved tonight, aren't we?
1: We're saved. We're saved.
0: I can't stop getting excited about the Lord it's like that old hymn writer says maybe we've got the words to it boys I get so thrilled with Jesus every moment of the day I get so thrilled with Jesus he's the truth, the life, the way I get so thrilled with Jesus if he's got that one lads oh is it you Ellie? (laughs) sorry boys what's keeping you Ellie? (laughs) you know when I get home I ain't going to get it don't you? Do you know, what she says to me, you know what she said to me after last Sunday morning when, when Glenn, Pastor Glenn was preaching? Do you know what she says to me? Dad, Pastor Glenn's far easier to put on camera than you. Could you run up and down there? And we're hitting these buttons trying to catch you on the camera. says he was able to just stand about the place and one camera nearly done him. Will you stand a piece? I get so frail.